Good morning, Davenport, Iowa. How you guys doing today? My name is Leonard Jones, and let me welcome you to the fourth episode of the Black Conscience Podcast. I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy during these times. To give you a little synopsis, the Black Conscience is a 30-minute podcast that features the discussion between me and an expert on a certain topic pertaining to black history or culture. This week, we'll be discussing the Nation of Islam, and today I have with me Brother Preston, who is, a me- who is a member of the nation. During these talks, I'll be asking the expert boundary-pushing questions in order to reach a new level of understanding through conversation. The purpose of this podcast is to educate the St. Ambrose community on African-American history and bring light to the many tragedies African-Americans still deal with every day due to the oppression system set up against us. This is in hopes of developing a conscious way of thinking while also informing the community on a on the tremendous amount of untold history. This is the opportunity for us to move forward through education, conversation, and communication. But enough of me talking. Now I have our guests introduce themselves. Yes, I'm Brother Preston Muhammad, and uh, I uh, represent uh, the Nation of Islam in the Quad City area, and I've uh, been a member of the Nation of Islam since uh, 1968. Wow. And... Uh, and have served in various capacities, but I've been a minister under the leadership of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and now under the leadership of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I would say a student minister, because that's something that we are trying to qualify to become. Um, So that is uh, in the nutshell, and I'd like to thank you, Brother Leonard, for inviting us on. We always love to take, uh, we don't want to miss any opportunity to share mm-hmm. uh, what we believe in, what we want, what our aims, our, our goals are, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can uh, actually have a better relationship with uh, not only our people, but the society in general, yes. because we have so many misconceptions, so many different, uh, what we call just straight out lies and half-truths and and uh, just been throwing confusion into who we really are, what we really represent. And uh, and so I'm so thankful to God that uh, uh, you've invited us to participate in uh, this uh, worthwhile program that you have. No problem. I really appreciate you guys yeah. coming today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that going to my first question I asked for you. Um, for those who do not know, what is the Nation of Islam and what do you represent? Okay. And that's a great question. It's a great <laughs> place to start. <laughs> the Nation of Islam is a what we call a, it's a messianic group mm-hmm. that was uh, founded uh, by um, one who we believe to be the son of man that Jesus prophesied would come from the east to the west in the last days. Uh, it was founded by Master Farad Muhammad, and we call him the great Mahdi, but he represents the power of God in person. And uh, this is, uh, was started on July 4th, 1930, in Detroit, Michigan. And he came uh, amongst the, the poor in our community in Detroit. Uh, and, and the whole program actually is a program of repair. It's a, repo- a program of redemption. It's a program of salvation uh, to a, a group of people, black people, uh, which includes the Native Americans, and in its inception and um, and and this is uh, because of the condition that we have been put in in our sojourn here in America 
And uh, as you know, I mean, we, we don't have but so much time, but as you know uh, that we have uh, been a, a literally a destroyed people yes. and we have not been repaired. And so the relevance of the Nation of Islam is still, uh, you know, a, a million percent. And we're still relevant because of the condition that we still find ourselves in, not only from our enslavement and Jim Crow, but where we are right now in uh, this history that's supposed to be a post-racial uh, society. But uh, we still suffer and we still have not been repaired. And so uh, this is the, the program that we believe uh, puts us back together. You know, it puts us back together. So when we come to the Nation of Islam, we're coming to a place where we learn about ourselves, where we learn how to be men, where we learn how to be women, where we learn, uh, have a, a, a moral compass given to us so that we can walk in a way, a righteous way in our lives and, and build our community and our families and our community based on uh, the principles of righteousness. And that is a, a struggle in and of itself but we have we, what we believe a formula that helps us to uh, to achieve this. Wow. So um, I ask you this. Who is Elijah Muhammad and the messenger of Allah? Yes, sir. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad is, uh, was the uh, teacher, uh, the one that was raised up by Master Farad Muhammad in a period of three years and between four and five months where he taught him night and day what we call supreme wisdom. He gave him uh, the, the keys to teach us. And, uh, and so after Master Fahd Muhammad went away, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad took the, uh, the mantle of leadership and he had to suffer for it. And uh, he was uh, oppressed, he was jailed, uh, he's, he'd been maligned. But the work that he did cannot is, is undisputable. It, the work that he did was he created uh, a, a group that, <coughs> that built uh, the, uh, a, a system, a community that had an educational system, that had economics. We, uh, we owned a bank. We owned farmland. We had uh, uh, aviation department. We had uh, so many things that he had uh, engineered and guided us to. And so the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we believe that he is that one that the scriptures talked about in the book of Malachi, that it says that uh, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, I will send you Elijah, who will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, because I'm going to smite the earth with a curse. And the turning of us back to our own blackness, back to our own our personal identity, collective identity, that's been going on. So actually the father to us of black history is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because he, he's the one that did this. And he's the one that gave us Malcolm X. He's the one that gave us Muhammad Ali. He's the one that gave us Imam Waterdeen Muhammad, Louis Farrakhan. Uh, the present leader of the Nation of Islam. He is the one that taught us how to think, how to function as men, and, and how to build something uh, for ourselves. The Bible says that, uh, that Elijah, Jesus said this, that Elijah must first come to restore all things. 
and this is what has happened and so this is a fulfillment of that prophecy and so today we're under the leadership of the honorable minister louis farrakhan who was the top student in the class of the ministry of the honorable elijah muhammad and he uh has a uh, worldwide acceptance worldwide uh, uh influence he, he influences he counsels uh leaders I don't care where they are, in the African continent, the Middle East, they call him. I'm talking about heads of state. Of course, the uh, government does not want you to know that because he does, they don't want you to follow and, and get involved with a man of substance, a man of power. They would rather for us to pick our leaders and make them entertainers and, and whatnot to keep us uh, off the track of uh, empowerment. So that in a nutshell is, is uh, I, I can go on and on and on talking about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and what he has done for, for me personally, what he has done for millions. In fact, we would not have even a black theology if there was not for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because when they talk about, well, uh, Malcolm and, and all of the others that mm -hmm. you came up, it, it is because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught him uh, and he found him in prison. He found many of us in the gutter, and he was able to uh, bring about the kinds of change that uh, that w we can all just marvel at. So, so he's a man of power, and he's a man that brings empowerment. And so let me just say this one last mm -hmm. thing, because this is very critical. I know we're short of time, is that you see there's a difference mm -hmm. in the, the black leadership establishment, see, it then in, in the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. See, the difference between Marcus Garvey, the difference between Martin Luther King and others is that they were addressing certain areas that we suffered from in terms of civil rights and things like that. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad addressed the human being, the human, the human condition, and he changed or transformed human life. And that is the, 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 the biggest difference that you see because one, people will always talk about, well, what's the difference in Dr. King? Dr. King was, was uh, uh, addressing, he was a prophet to Caucasian America and he was addressing their unfairness, their injustice of, of that we were suffering, but he never addressed the kinds of conditions, the mental state of mind that, that uh, we were in as a people. Yeah. And so this is uh, the difference. And so, and this to me is uh, when we say first things first, that is first. And when you, when you can repair human life, then you, you're on the pathway of being able to uh, build uh, upon that and build a, a civilization for yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> That goes perfect to our next question. So I ask you, who are the fruit of Islam? Uh, the fruit of Islam is the name given to the men that belong to Islam in North America. It is, in fact, a rite of passage from maleness to manhood. As long as we remain males and there's no way for us to come up out of that, then we'll, we'll, we'll remain boys, you see. And, uh, and, and men... Uh, are the ones that change things. You can't expect to have and to construct or build family life and you're still a boy. You see, you cannot do it. It's not gonna, you're not gonna be successful at it. You can't build businesses. You can't build a community. You can't uh, strength, build strength amongst your, 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 your own kind and, and be um, a, uh, a, contrib a contributor to the greater society unless we're men. But we had to learn this. And so we have a, a training that teaches us 
how to think like men, how to function like men, and in fact, how to be men. It's not something that we arrive at once we step in the door. This is why we have a turnaround. <laughs> you see people come in and they come out. Why? Because there's a difficulty factor attached to everything of substance and everything of value. So Minister Louis Farrakhan teaches us. And so we have to be, it's like you ran track, you run track. Okay, you know how difficult it is. And you have to train to get to where you want to go to be able to be competitive. Yes. And we have to train as well. So it's not just... Uh, people like to say it's a paramilitary group or whatever that we have martial arts. Well, certainly that's part of it, but we train how to think and that's the biggest issue. And, and, and see, this is the difference. See, I was mentored by Muhammad Ali as I was a minister in Las Vegas, Nevada during the times that he was fighting. Mm -hmm. And he used to tell me that the reason why he was a champion is because of the FOI that taught him how to think on his feet, how to think, you see. He said he would have been a, still a good a fighter, but what put him over the top is his ability to think on his feet while he's getting slapped upside the head, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and and, and that's, that is uh, what we all have to learn how to do, is how to be able to think for ourselves and think on our feet. Yes, because mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize it's not just the physical strength that you need to have mental strength. It's a mental strength. It's you mental no mental, mental toughness and mental strength, and that's that's the bottom line. And so that's, uh, you see, and this is the, the model. This is why the Honorable uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, who's so successful in calling a million, man, million men to come to Washington, D.C., and uh, almost two million showed up, you see, and, uh, and he was calling us to be in the process of learning how to be men. Now, this is a very frightening thing to white America. They're very frightened mm -hmm. over, in fact, this is, <laughs> when you see you got a president like Donald Trump, and I'm not trying to get into politics and everything, but he's a reaction to the fear of a black president. See, this, yeah. is, a, this is a reaction. This is, we're talking about a big fear here. You know, and, and they fear because this is just a part of their psyche or whatever, but uh, they fear an educated black man. They fear a black man that is uh, that w wants to function in a collective way. We were trained as in America, okay, if you're going to rise up, you got to function in the individualistic, on an individual plane. You cannot be pulling resources like other groups pull resources to build their 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 uh, economic uh, structure up, see. But all of us, we go out and we go and get ours and say, I'm going to get mine, you better get yours. But we have to do like other people do. They invest together. They, yes. So you don't see Michael Jordan sitting down with Jay-Z and, and all of these wealthy people, and they, they're billionaires, you see. You don't even see, you don't see them sitting down with Oprah Winfrey and others that have resources to build something constructive for ourselves and in our own community, see. Because if we build institutions in our community, which men have to do, then we can begin to address the problems that suffer, that we suffer from and have continued to suffer from uh, in our community. So that's the FOI, that's the FOI's job. It's not just to sell papers, but we're there to be an example. We're there to stand up and be men and, and to function because no woman can really respect you, uh, period. Only she can respect you temporarily. But, but not, because once you raise the hood up for so many, so many times, you'll see that that engine ain't working right, man. 
<laughs> so we got to be men. That's that's the bottom line, and that's the teachings, and the crux of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That we, we must be men. We must be men in order to be brothers. You know, in order to build. And this is the the work against us as as a group is is that primarily. You know, because they they think well we're gonna you know, uh, try to take over. We're going to, no, we just want to take over our community. I just want to take over my block. I want to take over block, my house. Control your block, dog. Right. That's it. That's it. We got $1.3 trillion circulating. This ain't welfare money. This is money that we earn, and we cannot, uh, we cannot uh, collectivize any portion of this wealth. See, this, yeah. is, this, is, uh, this, this brings a, a backlash with us, see, and unless we're talking about this, we can you know, we, we you know we don't need to be talking about nothing else, man. But but it takes men to do this. So I know you spoke about the men and what you guys do. Um, so I ask, what is the importance of the Muslim girls training in general civilization classes? Excellent question. <laughs> and and the reason why I say that is because um, women are um, actually the the most important part in our lives. All of us come from a woman of a woman. And women have been denigrated and disrespected, especially black women. And uh and so there has to be a training, see, because what we have today and what's been going on today, but it's gotten worse. They don't pay women that want to be righteous and, and have uh, the ability to express their righteousness in songs. They don't pay them millions of dollars, man. They pay you pay them millions of dollars to take their clothes off, see? And they, take, they pay them all kinds of monies to push uh, WAP, you see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, with, with Cardi B and, you know, Megan Thee Stallion. See, I catch up on that stuff, see? And, and so, but you don't see... Uh, people of substance being stripped down to being looking, you know, uh, like and functioning like, oh, see, or somebody that you can't build a family on that kind of example. You can't be uh, an example for young girls when you when you talk like that. But she, they, she talks like that because that's what sells. She talks like that because she heard males talk like this, you see. And I say males, not men. Men don't talk like this, see? So she's making money because this is what sells, okay? Sex sells. But she's, can, she's more than uh, just sex. She's not, and she's not to be treated as an ob- a sex object. And this is where the MGT and the GCC comes in because that's what they are trained. They're trained. Look, if you're out here in the street... And and you see these young men and everything, and 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 they they're uh, having sex with all of these different girls and 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 what have you. They not if they come to themselves and go to college or they come to they're not looking at them same girls to be a wife, see, because they call them a hood rat, see, see. So we're talking about respect, you know. And and she's the mother of all civilizations, but she's stripped down into something that's best lower than low and it's not respected you see but they will not you will not see other groups stripped down like that it's just us you will not and the people that strip them down you will not see their group you won't see their women not one of them 
playing a, playing a, uh, you know, somebody that's on the street corner. No, that's the roles for us, because that's how you keep a people down. Because we can rise no higher than our women. They're the first nurse. They're the first teacher. So she has to be taught and trained how to function, how to think like a woman. Now, is is her place in the in the home? Certainly it is. That's her base, but not necessarily her place. Because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad encouraged our women to get college education. He encouraged them to be uh, airplane pilots, to be uh, people of, 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 uh, of substance, doctors, see? And we, in fact, we have with, um, there's a, a, a medical profession, of, or excuse me, a medical uh, school in Cuba. And before Fidel passed, uh, Castro passed away, he gave the Honorable, Elijah, I mean, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan um, scholarships. Mm -hmm. Anybody that wants to come from the Nation of Islam can get scholarships to be medical doctors on the promise, on the agreement that they will come back and practice medicine in their communities. And so we've had, I mean, countless numbers of young sisters that are of the MGT class that have gone into this school. And, and they, listen, they have some of the best medical in Cuba. Really in Cuba. For the medical. I know That's they, right. They're known to keep the reason right. um, Cuba youth is so young and so healthy because right. they always keep a doctor right. that's with that person their whole lives in a sense. And, and they, they go around the person. world. They go around the world and help. But America and this coronavirus, Cuba offered to come into America to help. But because of their relationship with certain segments mm -hmm. of the American community and population, uh, they, they, they were, it was turned down, you see. And so they go all over the world. And some of the reasons why the, the, the coronavirus levels are so down and under control is because of the help of the, the Cuban medical profession. But uh, just to, to, to put a cap on mm -hmm. that, the MGT is the training of women and girls that belong to Islam, the nation of Islam in North America. And it teaches them, you know, the science of nutrition. This is what's going on in America today. We have such a problem with this uh, health because we don't know the science of nutrition, you see. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so we're eating out of the garbage pail, so to speak. And so that's why we get so sick and why uh, we have such a problem uh, with uh, this, uh, uh, the, the, the problem with the diet and the problem with the, uh, the, the wrong foods and mm -hmm. as, as it's negatively impacted our health. Okay. So um, I'll ask this. Growing up, was the teaching of Muhammad provided by your family or was the nation something that you went out and sought? Well, uh, the nation, I came into the Nation of Islam as a response and a reaction to the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Many, many young black men. I was in your position, in fact. I was the first uh, black student union president in the college that I went to in California. And uh, when he was assassinated, that uh, just made so many black people and black youth uh, bewildered because here's a man that was trying to love uh, everybody 
and uh, they they just you know just murdered him, man. Yeah. And I can remember the the days that that it happened, and I can remember my reaction. And uh, though I was I was uh, so I was involved in in the movement. Period. I was listening at what the Black Panthers were saying. I was listening to what uh, us, which is called United Slaves that was um, run by, uh, founded by Maulana Ron Karinga. In fact, I used to follow him in Los Angeles. Uh, and when, when he created the Kwanzaa, I was, I was a part of his group at that time. And, uh, and so I listened to so many different, Stokely Carmichael was, became Kwame Toure, uh, H. Rap Brown, um, who is Jamil Alamine now and in prison. I listened to so many of those different groups, so I was like a freelancer, so to speak. But when that did it for me, when they uh, they just drove me into making a decision that I don't regret, you know, uh, I do not regret it to this day. But that's how it came. In fact, uh, I came into the Nation of Islam based on that, and then my parents joined, or my brothers joined, my whole family joined. And, uh, so and you was the one leading to it. Well, uh, I had a, my older brother and mm -hmm. I joined uh, pretty much around the same time, so we had an influence. Okay. And uh, and but but the but in the home, I grew up in Compton, California, mm -hmm. and Compton uh, had a great. There were many many people that were in business that were being influenced by the local mosque, which is in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that I just went to um, I was influenced by my barber. I was influenced by just the culture that was going on in in the city at that time. See, and so that's how that's how I uh, got involved. So you kind of touched on it. So being from California mm -hmm. and growing up in Compton, what did the message the Nation of Islam represented mean to the community around you? Well, there is it it uh, you know. I would say that Los Angeles and Compton and, and those areas and South Central, mm -hmm. it was a, a hotbed at the time uh, for ideology and people were searching. So we, uh, we, we, we joined into that environment where people were really uh, reading. They had uh, several bookstores. They had all kinds of cultural things going, going on. And uh, so, we got involved. I mean, so it wasn't just the Nation of Islam, mm -hmm. though the Nation of Islam was a key to inspiring. And this is a, see, people don't know the history. The Nation of Islam, under, uh, when Malcolm X, he inspired Maulana Ron Karinga. Maulana Ron Karinga of us that started the Kwanzaa, he was going to the Mosque 27 in Los Angeles almost every day, every night, every meeting when it opens. He'll tell you that. He'll admit that. And so he was influenced by the teachings of Ambalaj Muhammad. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, Minister Jabril Muhammad, uh, it was Bernard Kushmir at the time, he was the first teachers of Huey Newton and Bobby Seale when they were on the, the campus of Merritt College in Oakland. See, they were going, they were students. Well, their minds were opened up, see, by this teaching. And so we can, that's what I'm trying to explain is the influence so you have many people that never joined, but well, the influence was great. It was, yes, it was great. Back. So that's that's about the best way I can answer No, I that. definitely understand because, um, so I'm from Chicago. and. Chicago. 
So I so I grew up on 69th and Stony Island, and oh, I know, you know like what I'm talking about. It's like right over 73rd there, 73rd and Stony. Around 73rd and Stony, yeah, then uh-huh. like at the end of my block, there used to be a, um, a Muslim church, uh-huh. and then um, also like my grammar school, um, I went to school grammar school on 47th, 47th and Greenwood by like Lake Park and High Park sure, area. Sure. So I was literally right down the street from Farrakhan. What is that? I right. went to school. I went to grammar school with Farrakhan's granddaughter. Okay. So <laughs> I've always and since been around it, but I've never had yes. like anyone to explain it to me or actually un- okay dive into the Man. culture. If that makes sense. But going into my next question, so um, as we know, there has been um, deception and infiltration into the nation throughout hi- its history, and this is from different forms, groups, organizations with different means. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, why do you think it was so important for the enemy to try to break the foundation from within the inside, and why is it so important? Why was it so important to take down the nation? And this mm-hmm. is um, my example. I'll use is um, as we know, during the civil rights movement, and everything like that, mm-hmm. with J. Edgar Hoover being the leader of the FBI at the time, and how mm-hmm. he played his game, and how the FBI worked steroids, mm-hmm. and what they do things that they were. Um, most like infiltrations within that from the mm-hmm. So um, that's just an example. I'm mm-hmm. I'm giving the different groups and organizations. That's a great question. And uh, the there's been there's never not been an assault on black leadership. There's never at no time has there not been an a, a an organized assault on black leadership. And um, so the question becomes, you know, why? See, so if we know that J. Edgar Hoover established his one of the first things he did when he be, when he first founded um, the FBI was to bring down Marcus Garvey. See, and people don't, don't know that that was, you know, it took him two or three years to, to get him on some of the bogus charges that they got him on. But the, the whole objective w- was to deny black people leadership. Because if you don't have no head, man, you you your headless body, you where's the body gonna go? It's not going anywhere. Yeah. And so when we look in the history, we look in what happened in the NAACP and the Jewish community that led the NAACP, they they um, were complicit in reporting on everyone in the leadership of the NAACP. I'm talking about uh, Spingarn, uh, Joel Spingarn, and and uh, the rest of those that were actually the leaders, the, the, you know. And so we go on and on and on. When we got into the, the civil rights movement, they did the same with Martin Luther King. They were a part of, now we know that they were a part of, the, of his assassination. We know that they were, a, they were a part and parcel of Malcolm's defection from the Nation of Islam. And so that he can be isolated and, and dealt with. Uh, we saw uh, what happened with the Black Panther Party. Uh, they they had great they had some potentially great leadership with Fred Hampton and Mark Clark in in Chicago, when um, they were shot down and killed. And, and uh, Fred Hampton was a brilliant brilliant leader, yes. in his own right. And he was shot dead next to his wife in 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 bed in his home. Uh-huh. And they know that you know that you know what happened. And, and uh, the same with uh, the fomented division between us. Uh, Karinga's group in the Black Panther Party where, and I can remember just like night and day where they they shot uh, uh, and killed uh, Bunchy Carter. Bunchy Carter was one of the strongest black leaders we had. You know, if you look him up and 
he was a gang leader, but he was strong. He was like on the par of Larry Hoover, if you want, or or Chief Malik, mm-hmm. you know, or Willie Lloyd. Or, um, he was uh, a, a very, very powerful, powerful young man. But they they had him uh, in their crosshairs because they didn't want him. Just the same with Geronimo Pratt, because these men knew how to fight. You see, and this is, I guess, getting into the answer. See, and then they and during that time they had what they called you can Google it, uh, ghetto informant program. The FBI had a ghetto informant mm-hmm. program where they had at least 7,000 informants in the black community to keep tabs on what was going on in, with the activists in the black community. When the, when the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, in Eastern Europe, when the Soviet Union fell, all of those FBI agents in the early 90s were brought back to America after the Soviet Union fell and the, and the, and the Cold War was mm-hmm. won, all of those agents were brought back to America to, to get in and infiltrate the gangs. Okay? Now, they handled right. their first problem when it comes to commun- well, communism and everything, right. so now they come to the next problem. Well, but, but, but here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem I have. Surely, when we, we understand the FBI had something to do with crack cocaine, being brought into the black communities and destabilizing the black community with crack cocaine, and the response was to to, uh, to establish the um, the uh, prison industrial complex yes. to put us in jail. Some of us in the grave, and some of us in jail. These these yes. are these are uh, conspiracies, or uh, these are organized efforts to keep the black community destabilized. I know. I want an example I want to bring because you mentioned him too. Skokley, he and I watched the video of him speaking about um in California how at the time he was um in charge of bringing in the guns for the Black Panther Party, and his movement he was doing there. And then he was he said that he was walking past these boys who had this Uzi. And he was like, where you get that Uzi from? I'm the one who brings guns to the community. How you get that Uzi? He was like, this white man just get right. bothered to me. And it showed how they're pumping guns right. into the community. Yeah. And, how, and, and so that is the problem, okay? And so when you, when you look at the, the, what, what was done, man, you know, so when you're coming back into America to get into the gangs, okay, naturally uh, a, a white boy in a three-piece suit is not going to get into the gang. But what, what's who? But they go and they hire us yeah. to get in the gang. But their problem, if you look at the, the, in the FBI page, it's, it's called the Safe Streets Task Force, okay? The problem I have is that you've got almost 30 years in and the streets still ain't safe. So that didn't mean, you know, if you can bring down the uh, the the uh, Eastern Europe in the Cold War, you can you can win that. You can bring Russia down and all that, and you can't stop the crime that's going on in the black community. No, because you don't want to. See, yeah. you don't want to, and this is the problem, man. I'm telling you, uh, and so yeah, the problem is is that they cannot afford. It's the way that they look at us. They brought us here for 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 work. They brought us here to be used in any way they want to use us to build and establish their their power base. Okay, and so uh, the whole problem is is that they don't want us to rise. They don't want us to be a people of power. I'm not talking about and don't don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about Caucasian people that mean well. I'm not talking about 
the decent ones, the moral ones, the ones that we can even say are righteous. I'm talking about the people that have the power that sit and rule and plan and, 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 and they, they, they bring all of these stratagems of war and they weaponize the, 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 you know, the habits that we have against ourselves. See, like we're talking about these little girls that they're naked. That's a weapon, man, against the morals, the moral character of a whole group of people that are ignorant. And so, what, what, uh, so this, this is a, a bad thing, man. This is, I'm talking about the, uh, the, the work not only of the FBI, but the CIA. The CIA was involved in Malcolm's assassination. The State Department was involved with that. This is not just, look, there's a hundred FBI agents task force that's on the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan 24-7. There's not just the FBI, man. I'm talking about this, the agencies, the security agencies, intelligence agencies of the United States government do not think it's in their best interest that black people be free unless we're free according to their definition of it. See, <laughs> and that ain't going to happen, man. See, but but this is the reason why we say the nation of Islam is backed by God, and we believe that we will be free. See, and this is one of the reasons why you see all of the prophecies coming to pass right now. You go into twenty third and twenty fourth, twenty fifth chapter of, of Matthew to read what Jesus said, and you will see that there's pestilence in the land. That's what this coronavirus is, man. It's killing people, man. But it's not just that. You got fires on the West Coast and fires, I mean, in sometimes 10 and 12 and 13 states going on at, same, at the same time. What is this? See, people of intelligence, they know what's going on, man. The thing is coming down because as, as you have done, so shall it be done. See, there's a, such a thing that's written into the universe of order of things that's called justice, man. Some people call it karma. But all of this is happening right now because it's prophesied to happen. See? And that's where we are. So, um, sorry to cut you off. Um, so I asked this question. This will be my last question to you. So with um, everything going on, you kind of spoke on it a little bit briefly at the beginning. Um, what are some misconceptions about the nation of Islam that you would like to dissolve and um, put into belief? Okay. And that's a great question. Number one, that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is not anti-Semitic. He is not a hater. He has reached out to the Jewish community. There's, because he, but he, he has the right, being a divine man of God, to complain about aspects of the Jewish community and their relationship with black people. See, And that's not... The whole Jewish community is just certain aspects, of, and he's, he's calling it, which he has the right to do. See, America lies when they say we have freedom of speech. Say, say you can say what you want to say, but we're going to make you pay for whatever you say that we don't like. You see, you're going to lose your job. You're going you're gonna to set you up. You could lose your life. So it's, it's all, you know, BS, man. <laughs> I just want to say that. So, but that's the first thing is that he has asked the leadership of the Jewish community to sit down and talk with him. And he said, we can even do it publicly or behind the scenes. And 
some of the uh, great leaders uh, on the power brokers of the Jewish community have sat down and talked with him, see, and they made demands that, you know, that the minister and no self-respecting black man is going to fall for, see. And so, you know, um, th that is the, the first thing. We don't, see, um, because you say something about one group, and this is, this is really tricky, man, because it got to the point where you can't say nothing about nobody, man. I mean, you have to speak in cold language like they do on Fox News and different places about black people. But you, man, I mean, they, you can't say nothing about nobody, nowhere, no groups. Of, otherwise, you are condemning a whole group of people. No, we're not doing that. What we're doing is taking aspects of those in your community, of this particular community, that uh, needs to be checked, needs to be, needs to be corrected. Now, the minister is... He'll say the same thing to us in our own community. And since he's a divine man of God, he has a duty to, to correct it. That's the number one. The number two is the rift that has taken place over the assassination of Malcolm X. Now, they have, you know, they hated Malcolm when he was alive. See, he was the number one anti-Semite in America. And he was the number one hater in America. Next thing you know, when he's, he's dead, they've uh, cleaned up his image and uh, put him on a stamp, naming schools and streets after him. Okay. And that's good because he did a great work. But we're talking about 11 months that he was outside of the Nation of Islam for almost 13 years where he became an international figure while he was in the Nation of Islam. I'm saying that we want, as I mean, we're coming together. We are maturing, but that's an issue that really needs to be dealt with. The third thing is the, um, the history of the Nation of Islam. We're saying that it needs to be taught so that the people can really understand us. The minister has pleaded with the different administrations, let him have the freedom to teach our people so that we can get up because what he has. Now we're getting there, but you got people that, you know, they'll be inspired, but then they get their hands chopped off and say, okay, well, you know, because you look at it, you just look at it, see. I believe there are reasons other than what's on the table, why Michael Jackson's dead and why Bill Cosby's in prison and why, you know, I mean, I believe there's other reasons and we need to be, um, to understand the connection between the nation of Islam and these, these men and these great men. You see, and Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. See, and so we need to we need to know the truth, man. That's all I'm saying. Let's understand. Don't hide the truth. See, let's take this truth. Like you got these little girls and little boys that are going to school, and you look at look at what's going on in the schools, man. But you can go over there and talk to them. They don't know nothing about uh, Gladys West, who invented the GPS the GPS system. You know, they don't know nothing about 
different groups of different people that have made great accomplishments in our community in behalf of these these uh, these groups. You know, the, these people that that have big business in, under their control. And we, there's so many people that we can talk about. Uh, Herman Smitherman and um, uh, Shirley Jackson. See, now she's over the college, has been over this college called Renesler Institute. This is where they invent stuff. He's the highest paid college president in America. With her whole package she made last year, I think $7.1 million. What's her, what's her function? She is, was a part of Bell Labs. She's a physicist. She's the one that was leading the charge on, under her direction on the fax machine, the, um, the uh, call waiting. So you can look it up, you know call waiting fax machine call forwarding all of that see so they got her over the school that invents stuff okay you see and this is you know we need to understand how this thing works man you got darpa and other groups that that for the federal government that make all of this these computers and internet and all of this stuff and then they give it out to people you see that can go and make make it Billions of dollars off it. They don't never give nothing out to us. See what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to say is that let's tell the truth, the whole truth. That's what I want to be known. The whole truth. The good, the bad, the ugly. See, let's bring it all out and put it on the table so we can we can uh, start to heal some of these problems and heal a sin-sick soul and a soul that's played with inferiority in the black community who do not believe in themselves. So naturally, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't see no hope and you hate yourself, naturally it's gonna be easy for you to pull a trigger on, on another brother that looks just like you. You don't, you don't kill what you love. Yeah. So the key is, let's, let's, if we really are interested in empowering black people, and I'm telling you that white folks will be empowered People will be empowered. You don't have to, you know, do this blindly. There's enough truth that they know more truth about it than I do, or the minister, in terms of what we have, what we've contributed to the onward movement of the American uh, experiment that they call democracy. You see, you know, but they don't want to pay, man. I'm telling you, they're ungrateful. They don't want to pay. They don't even want to talk about reparations. They don't want to talk about. Let's let's do something so that black people can get up on their feet and their own feet. And then the same people come around and and say, look at them. Excuse the that's the N the N word. <laughs> look at they don't want to do something for themselves. Like Jared Kushner said, we gotta want they gotta want to do something for yourself. And you know, beat the hell out of them for generations. Then you say, you gotta want to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, man. I, come on, that's insulting. You know. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I think, man. So thank you so much for, for having us here. No problem. And God bless you and your, your program and, and uh, to bring, is, is, you know, the culture of black people to the community. No you know, I've been enjoying the Quad City Times. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, talking about local black 
history and where some of those people I've been blessed to meet before they passed, but uh, great, great uh, pieces. So I, I appreciate what you're doing. No, thank you for having us. No problem. Well, once again, I'd like to thank you, Brother Preston, for joining the podcast today and having this discussion with me. It truly means a lot. And with these continuous conversations, we are taking the small steps to combat ignorance and hate with positivity and education. We are beginning the development of conscious thinking through diversity and education that could one day help us understand the philosophy behind people's racial bias way of thinking. Um, I would like to thank everyone who made this possible with a special thanks to St. Ambrose 88.5, 106.1 FM KALA radio station, the St. Ambrose Coke John Foundation, and St. Ambrose Cabinet and Administration. I would like to give one more special shout out to St. Ambrose Black Student Union, whose meetings are held on Wednesdays at 715 in the Rogowski Ballroom, room number seven. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you continue to stay safe and healthy, and we shall see you next time. Have a blessed day.